No one's trying to act like you don't exist. And we understand that you're the biological daughter and we accept this, but we can't be anything more than what we are now. I hope you don't feel abandoned by me and happy Thanksgiving. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 108. I was just reading about NPEs that are preparing for the holidays, and I should say adoptees and donor-conceived individuals and NPEs. And sometimes the holidays can be a little tricky, especially with the family dynamics in our lives, what with original families and newfound families. And so I've been reading on social media about putting up boundaries and preparing for, well, what kind of expectations you have around your holidays. So I just thought I would bring that up in case anyone else here in the month of December of 2021 is preparing for holidays with perhaps new family members or with the family members you've grown up with, which is always pretty tricky in our situations with the DNA surprise of finding out we aren't related to one or both of our parents. And on this podcast, we listen to NPEs share their story of their DNA surprise and what happened to them. And so today we are going to listen to Colleen. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Lily. How are you? I'm good. I feel like I have a similar situation to you in that we have children in separate rooms that we hope <laughs> will, that we hope will be occupied while we get to talk to each other for a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, she's four, you said? Yes, she turned yeah. four last month. Oh, sweet. Oh, you have a little one. Mm-hmm. Well, so do I. Um, well, I don't have a four-year-old anymore. My children are grade school now, but let's go ahead and, and get into your story today with what time you can allow us. And why don't you start with um, your original family? And when you're ready, take it into how you found out you were an NPE. Sure. So um, I grew up with two parents uh, and a sister, an older sister. She was three years, she is three years older than me. Um, we grew up in Northern Maryland, about 40 minutes north of Baltimore. Um, my family, I would say, was your typical normal suburban family. Um, we had a very nice house. Um, in a nice neighborhood uh, with all the other houses looking like the other houses next to them. Uh, My sister and I were in um, activities. Um, We had basically a nice upper middle class life. Um, We both started out in public school, but then went to a private Catholic high school. Um, And then we, we both went on to do normal things that people do. Um, 
my parents are still married to each other. Um, so this is probably, I think they're close to 35 years of marriage now. I am 28. Um, so they, they were married for quite a few years before I was born. Um, and they're still married and they still think that they have normal lives. Um, (laughs) (laughs) as many of us do. And, um, it's just very odd thinking that, you know, I grew up in a normal family, but I, I didn't actually know what was going on in the background. Um, there were no problems in my family involving things like drugs or alcohol or, um, divorce or, or threatening of divorce. So I was very lucky with that. Um, but there were some, there were, there were some things happening before I was even born that I just wasn't aware of. So, um, essentially my discovery started off in September, 2020. Uh, my husband, uh, bought me a, it was either a birthday gift or an anniversary gift. Um, they're four days apart. So I, I get that confused, but he, he bought a ancestry DNA test for me. Um, and it was a great gift, a, a gift that I wanted, uh, a gift that fits me because I have, um, an undergraduate degree in history. I have a master's degree in museum studies and I am the family historian and genealogist. I, I always have been, I always will be. Uh, it's just one of my interests. So it was a great gift. Um, wasn't expecting to find out anything really that I didn't already know. Although um, my great grandmother, so my mom on my mom's side, um, she was adopted. So I was, I was thinking maybe I would get some more information on maybe um, I didn't know if I could connect to family members on her side. I didn't know if I'd be able to figure that out or, you know, just mm. to see um, if I might gain any other information because at this point I had, a very, very, very large uh, family tree on ancestry. And it has only exploded further since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took the test. I didn't really think anything of it. I was excited to get my results back. And eventually I got them um, early September, 2020. Uh, it was a few days before my husband and my daughter and I were going on a camping trip. Um, I opened the email and it said, your results are in. And I clicked on it. And I honestly, right away, I did not know that anything was wrong. Um, I should have. Um, I think my brain was probably protecting me at that point because just from the, you know, most people, when they get the results, they just look at the, the breakdown pie chart of your ethnicity. And that's the first thing I looked at. And I should have noticed that there was something going on when I didn't see any Irish Um, because my dad, the dad I grew up with uh, is very Irish. And that was something I grew up with uh, being proud of. Um, That's why my parents picked my name. Colleen means Irish girl. It means little girl in Irish and Gaelic. So that was a big part of um, growing up. I mean, my, my dad's name is, extremely, <laughs> his first and middle name is extremely Irish. And, uh, we even went to Ireland as, um, part of a family trip. Um, my dad had a work trip and we tacked on, um, we did Ireland and Scotland in one trip. And that was kind of like going back to our roots. And I felt connected there, but on my part chart, there was no Irish and I didn't, I didn't see it at the time, but it wasn't there. And my dad had taken a DNA test 
um, a few years ago. I had forgotten about it, honestly, until a couple months after my discovery. But he did take an ancestry DNA test, and I wasn't sure if he had elected to do the DNA matches. I wasn't sure if he was still private or any of that, but he was not on my matches. Um, but everything else looked to be what I expected. Um, there was German, um, there was English, there was Welsh, um, there was Norwegian and Swedish, which was a surprise to me, but it didn't seem so far outside the box that I was really questioning because I thought it, you know, it's all in the European area. So I didn't have anything that was so far removed that it would, you know, it would make me realize immediately that there was something wrong. So I saw my my pie chart. I thought it was cool. I clicked on the DNA relatives and I didn't recognize anybody, but that didn't really ring any alarm bells because my family is extremely small. My I grew up with one sister and we had no cousins. My um, My mom's sister and her husband never had any children. And my dad had two siblings um, and they never had any children either. And they have both passed away. Um, so my family is extremely small. So it's not as if there was a close cousin that wasn't popping up that I was, you know, concerned why they weren't on there. Um, I also, like I said, my great grandmother was adopted. So I was expecting to have people on there that I didn't know their names and I didn't know how we'd be connected so that there really wasn't anything that, um, that surprised me. There might've been a couple of people towards the top that I very quickly knew as my mom's side, because she's a very, uh, distinct maiden name. It's very odd. I say it and people look at me funny. So there might've been one or two of those, but beyond that, I, I didn't recognize anybody, but it, it didn't matter to me. So I get the results. And later that afternoon, uh, my mom was actually coming over to our home. I actually don't know why she was coming over. It was random. Um, She lived about two and a half hours away. And I think she was stopping by on her way home back from a trip or something. And she was dropping a few things off maybe, but she was just randomly there. And I said, oh, hey, mom, look, I have my ancestry DNA results And I showed her the pie chart and she thought it was really cool. And then I showed her the DNA matches. And as soon as she saw the computer, her face turned white. And I've never seen the look that my mom gave me that day. I I can still see it. And it's been over a year. It's almost a year and a half now. And she started to say something. She looked at me and she started to say something. And then she caught herself and she said, oh, never mind. And I could tell that she was thinking something really serious. And, you know, I, I told her that I wasn't letting her leave until she completed the sentence. She looked at me and she said, there might be a problem with your DNA. And I looked at her and I, I had no idea what she was talking about. And then I think her next question was, how accurate are these tests? And I said, you know, DNA is science. It's, it's, you know, you can't make this up. You can't just take somebody else's information and put it in there. Cause at this point I had no idea anything was wrong. So that was a weird question for me. You know, how accurate is DNA? So she told me essentially what gave it away was the very first DNA match I had, uh, 
had a very, very German last name and a German last name I had never heard before. And if you heard it, you would remember it forever. It's a very distinct, uh, it's not like a Smith or a Jones or, or anything like that. So she looked at me and she said, um, that I, I was related to someone that she knew, but it wasn't through my father. Um, and she eventually told me that the, my biological father was, uh, my dad's best friend and was actually my sister's godfather. Uh, now I didn't grow up knowing this man. I think I had heard his first name a few times. Uh, he was best friends with my father, but he moved away and they lost contact. So this was not somebody I grew up knowing or I had never met his family to my knowledge. Um, I couldn't tell you what he looked like. I, I knew nothing. I just had heard his first name a few times. And my first question was, well, is it, is it me or is it just me or is it my sister too? And she said, it, it's just you. And she left and I, I had the worst day of my life. My husband was actually outside um, doing something on our car. He's really handy and he does all of the car maintenance for us. I think he was replacing the brake pads on one of our cars. And so he's covered from his hands all the way up to um, almost his shoulder in, you know, in grease and debris and, and brake fluid and just nastiness. And I come out there and he just took one look at me and asked what was wrong. And I, I just, I just collapsed on our front porch and just cried and cried. And it took me a couple minutes to tell him what was wrong. And then we went on a camping trip, <laughs> which was not a very good timing. Um, I was in, I was not with it. I was in a fog and I had no idea what my mother had just told me. And, you know, before she left, of course, she said, you can't tell your father, you, you can't tell him. I don't know if she said anything else about that, but she made it very clear that I was not to tell my father what I found out. So I went on the camping trip and I tried to have a great time and I don't think I had that much of a great time. Oh, no. And then I came back and I had to figure out what to do with this information. So like a good historian, I went and researched. Um, I had his first and last name. And I didn't have anything else. My mother did not keep in contact with him. Uh, she didn't give me any phone numbers or um, I don't think she even knew at that point that he had moved away or maybe she did. I'm not sure. But anyway, I started just going on the computer and figuring out everything I could about this man. And I ended up finding his home address and he was, he's out of state. He lives in North Carolina and I was still in Maryland at the time. So I did as much research as I could, and then I decided that I did want to contact him. I didn't start on my letter right away, but within, I would say, two, two and a half weeks, I wrote a letter and I mailed it to him, and I just waited. And that was the worst feeling of knowing that somebody else is out there who's related to you, and they don't know, and you're just waiting for them to get that letter, and you hope it's the right address, and you hope that the right person opens it, and you hope that they'll respond, and you go crazy. I don't think it was very long 
it felt like eternity. It was a few days. And in my letter, I put um, all of my contact information. He had our home address. He had my cell phone number. I put my email in there. And one day I looked at my phone and I just screamed because I had an email and his email had um, his email address had part of his very unusual last name. So I knew right away that it was him. And he, he told me he had no idea that I was uh, his child. And um, in the letter I had asked for some health background and he gave me all that, um, which was great because I didn't even know that I needed to know half of my health history. I had been going on for, you know, over 25 years with the wrong health, half of the wrong health info. And I was overall very healthy. So up until um, before I gave birth, that really wasn't much of an issue. I didn't have any um, health scares that I was trying to figure out what was going on with me. And they just didn't have the right history as so many other MPs do. Um, But I had a very traumatic birth. Um, I didn't have any issues until I was pushing, but I essentially ended up with postpartum preeclampsia and once you have that, you're at risk for heart disease. It's something like three or four times the risk of anybody else just by having that. Um, my daughter wasn't responsive when I gave birth to her. Uh, we both almost did not make it. And then I ended up having a PTSD diagnosis from that. And I still have to worry about, um, you know, heart problems or um, I even went to the eye doctor and they told me that because I had that issue, the vessels behind my eyes could potentially burst. And um, there's something called, I think it's retinal detachment. I'm at a much higher risk of that. So, you know, had I had my complete health history, I could have been more aware of this um, and I could have been in a better spot, but I didn't have that. I didn't know what I didn't know. So um, he gave me all that information and it turns out that his his mother, my grandmother, had um, died in 2001 after the um, after 9/11 due to an aortic aneurysm. So that potentially could explain why I was uh, predisposed to having preeclampsia. I didn't have any of the other um, risk factors. Um, my age, I wasn't too young and I wasn't too old. I didn't smoke. I didn't. I didn't have an unusual amount of stress. I had a great weight um, prior to pregnancy. I never had any, uh, they, they can see if you have preeclampsia by checking your protein levels in your urine. I never had any of those problems and I never had any high blood pressure readings until I was in the delivery room. So that was nice to know that you know, maybe give me a potential reason for why I went through what I did, because this was never a problem in what I thought was my family history. I thought was interesting when he gave me my um, health history, he would break it down by which person he was talking about. And he would say, my mother, my, my grandmother. uh, And then he got to the bottom. He never used their first names. I ended up figuring out who these people were, but he, he gave me information but he didn't give me all of it. You know, I was still an outsider. And then he got to the bottom and he told me that he had 
two children. And he said, he said, my son and my daughter. And I'm not sure that he even used their first names in that first email. Um, And he just gave me extremely basic information. So it was great that he responded. I really needed that health info. And I had no idea what to expect with, you know, a response from him. Some people get really nasty responses. Some people get, you know, cease and desist letters. Some people don't get a response at all. And I was very grateful for that. Um, I just didn't know where it was all going to go. We ended up talking over email for about a year. He had requested that we, um, in that first letter, he that he emailed me um, because he said he didn't want me to wait for a response in the, in the mail, like through the postal service. So he emailed it. Um, He said that he would prefer contact over email. um, I'm assuming because he was still married. So my parents, my mother had an affair with him and they are both still married to the spouses that they were when they had the affair. Mm. Uh, which complicates things. So he requested we speak over email and I thought that was fine. I wanted to give him time to be comfortable and I, I didn't know him either. So we, we would talk um, not super regularly, but just, you know, every once in a while we would, we would talk. I would ask him a few questions and he would answer and nothing really was progressing. I did tell him that I had an interest in meeting or at least speaking to my half siblings. He, I was very upfront with this um, from the beginning. I told him that I, ha- I come from a very, very small family. Most of my family members have died. I have an interest in genealogy and family ties are very important to me. And so I wanted to, you know, incorporate these people into my life in whatever way they, they felt comfortable Um, And, you know, he would put it off and put it off. And um, I told him I had an interest in meeting him and, you know, things just didn't go anywhere until um, I think this was about April, April of um, 2021, when eventually we did finally meet. I, I told him that, you know, it was very important to me. And he actually flew in from out of state. He he got a he got a rental car. He got a hotel. Um, we met. I brought my husband with me. We met and got some cheesesteaks at my favorite place um, in Annapolis, and because that's close to where we were living at the time. And we talked, and he was there for two hours, and then he made up an excuse to leave. And he was there overnight, and he had plenty of time. He had told me this in advance. That's how I knew that. So he he just felt the need to leave. He either was overwhelmed or didn't want to deal with it anymore. But, you know, when you first meet someone, you have all these questions and you don't want to ask all the questions right at once within five minutes of meeting your father. And so there were a lot of things that I didn't ask him because I thought we had more time. And it was, it was great to see him in person. Um, but the visit just left me wanting more and, and just more disappointed than I was when we started before we started. Um, so, you know, back to the occasional emails when he was, you know, not hiding from his wife or traveling, 
I would wait weeks in between email responses. And so it's just, it's not a very good situation with him. And it finally built up to a point where I told him that I didn't know what he wanted. I, you know, I, I told him I was trying to make him feel comfortable, but it had been over a year and I really would like to speak to my half siblings. I was hoping that he would tell them himself. Uh, I just think that a father should tell their children things about their other children. I didn't see it as my responsibility. So I was giving him time to do that. Um, and he just, he wouldn't do it. He, he was worried about what would happen. Um, in his original letter, he even said that one of his grandkids, he had some health issues when he was first born. He needed a lot of assistance with learning how to walk. And to my knowledge, he's, he may still need some services, but he is very well integrated into life and is overall very healthy and it appears to be ha happy. Um, but he used that as kind of like a, I can't really tell anyone about you because I have this grandkid that I'm really worried about and, and people have given up so much and I just can't rock the boat. So he would give me excuses of why he couldn't, he couldn't be more involved. Um, I mean, at this point it had been over a year and I hadn't even, I don't even have his phone number. <laughs> I've never heard him speak on the phone. I've met him. I've spent two hours with him total and I've only emailed with him. And that's just not a great relationship. I mean, even with someone that you didn't know you were related to. That is brutal. That is brutal. I am. Wow. Well, it gets worse. It gets worse because I got to the point where I told him that I was going to, I was going to reach out to my half siblings. I had given him so much time to do it himself. And it just became very clear that he wasn't going to do it um, for whatever reason. He was scared. He was selfish, all of the above. So I, I found their mailing addresses and I mailed them letters and just very, you know, I got this test as a gift. I didn't know what it meant at the time, but I found out that I, um, th that were related. Um, the, and I even told them both in the letter that, you know, I matched to my half brother on ancestry just to make sure like they could go back and look and see that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't lying. I wasn't a scammer. Um, and that they could verify that we actually do, we are related. So I sent them letters and I just gave a heads up to my biological father. And he told me that, <laughs> that I picked a really bad time to do that because they were all going away for one big family vacation, all of them. And he also told me that he told both of them not to open my letters until after they got back from the trip. Wow. And so I'm 28 and my half brother and half sister are several years older than me. They're in their mid to late thirties. So you have a father telling their grown children to not open a letter from someone that they don't know. And mm -hmm. I just thought that that was, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had seen how he was with me, but just seeing how he was with two children that he raised, um, yeah, that did not sit well with me, but I'm pretty sure my half brother did not listen to him because uh, I saw that he had logged into Ancestry when I first matched with him when I got my DNA results back um, 
I checked to see like if he had logged in and what was his, what his activity was. And it had been over a year since he had logged in. And when I checked around the time that uh, my biological father told me that he told the children not to open my letters, um, my half-brother showed up as being active that day. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, he, he at least was aware at that time. I didn't know if he told his half-sister, but I mean, I would have. So <laughs> I kind of was assuming at this point, I was operating under the assumption that both of them knew and he knew and that was it. So they got back from their vacation and I just never, I didn't get a response from them. And I, I asked him, I asked my biological father in an email a couple of weeks. I gave them, a, you know, first, you know, a day goes by and you're like, oh, it hasn't gotten there. And then a week goes by and then you're thinking, oh, well, maybe they're just busy. And then two weeks goes by and you think, well, maybe they just don't want to talk. So I gave it weeks and weeks and weeks. And then I finally asked him, you know, have they said anything about my letter? I haven't heard from them. And I didn't want to bombard them with additional letters. I just was kind of hoping to see if they got the letter and if he could ascertain their feelings about the situation, because I don't know these people. And he told me that he hadn't had a chance to talk to them. I mean, this is over a month and he hasn't had a chance to talk with his children. That just seems, seems odd. So either he was lying or he's just really not a great father to the kids that he grew up with that he raised. So still to this day, I have not heard from my half-siblings. I got to a breaking point about, uh, it was last month. I think it was a month exactly. I sent him an email. Um, I think I had taken a break from communication with him. And I think what prompted me to send this last email was I had started therapy again. Uh, This is my third time. Um, Some of it for my PTSD issues with my traumatic birth, but um, my new therapist has really brought home the idea that all these things are connected. Um, Like I said, I grew up in a, a nice home. I didn't have any problems with, you know, food or toys or clothes or any of that, but emotionally it, it wasn't great. My, my physical needs were met, but my emotional needs were not. And so all of these things are connected. It's, it's, it's one huge problem that I'm, I'm trying to work through. So how I grew up and then my um, traumatic birth and then this crappy experience with this, with this person that I want to be connected to, but doesn't want to take the time to be connected with me. It all bubbled over. And so after one of my recent sessions, I emailed him and I was just very blunt and very, you know, this is what it is and I need some answers or, or I just can't do it anymore. Um, in my past emails, I would always be, you know, really accommodating and and dancing around the issue. And he would do the same. He would say, oh yeah, I want to, I want to connect with you. But then he wouldn't even answer questions directly. You know, I would ask how things were, um, with my half siblings and he just would ignore it. Um, so he would come off. He wasn't one of those people who would say mean, nasty, direct things to me. He would just dance around the issues and be indirectly rude. And 
mm-hmm. um, you know, gaslighting. And that's almost worse because when you get a nasty message of, oh, you're terrible, don't talk to me. It's very clear. You have all the information you need and you can very clearly say, I don't want to be connected with this person because they're a bad person. But when you get like a couple of paragraphs um, and they aren't saying mean direct things to you, you kind of think that you have a chance and they let you go on with your hope and they string you along and it takes time to realize that they just, they aren't a good person either. And just because they didn't come out and directly say mean things to you doesn't mean that they aren't saying mean things to you. (laughs) Completely. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like, can't you just be directly a jerk because I, I can sense it. Exactly. You're the, the gaslighting, the not answering the, Oh man. Oh, I'm so frustrated for you. Yeah. So I, I asked him, you know, how do you want to go about this? Um, I I want to make a connection with you, but I feel like we're stalled out and I, I don't know where to go from here. What would you like to do? Um, I asked him, you know, I told him I still haven't heard anything from my half siblings. And is there any insight you can give to me? Because I don't know your family dynamic. I haven't met any of you and I just need some sort of information I don't want to bother them again. Can you just, can you help me figure out what's going on? Um, at this point, I thought maybe um, his wife was told because at this point he knows my half siblings know. And I thought maybe there was a chance that my half siblings would have told their mother, but he sent me one last email and I find out that that's not true. My, his wife still doesn't know. And he essentially told me that, we can't ever have what I want, uh, you know, have some sort of connection with my half siblings, because if, if she is told about me, then she will, she will right away divorce him and she will make the kids choose between, between the parents. So essentially I can't have what I want because, or I can't even have like, contact with them because this woman is so terrible and will make everybody's life, uh, you know, terrible. And essentially I would just complicate things and they won't, they won't let that happen and they have to protect their grandkids. And he went on and on about, you know, these kids, we love them and they're important and, He has another grandkid. Um, it's my kid. And my kid doesn't make the cut. And I just felt that was the worst email I had ever received. Um, and then at the end of it, they, he said something like, uh, you know, no one's trying to act like you never, like you don't exist. And we understand that you're the biological daughter and we accept this, but um, you, you, we can't, we can't be anything more than what we are now. And I hope you don't feel, he told me this a couple days before Thanksgiving. I hope you don't feel abandoned by me and happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I, 
I haven't, I sent a response back and I essentially told him, you know, thanks for laying it out for me because I've just been trying to figure out where, where we are. Um, you know, I told him that I was hurt and if he could just pass a message on to my half siblings, um, if he could do that for me and I won't get into what I said, cause it's going to make me cry more. <laughs> um, if he could pass the message on for me and, um, at this point that I, I wasn't going to initiate email contact with him. I was hoping that, you know, I would let him decide when he wanted to email me. And I told him, you know, if there are important birthdays or, you know, if deaths or like important stuff, please tell me, like, keep me in the loop and I'll do the same. But, um, you know, I, I essentially said like, I can't do this right now. I, I just can't. And that was three weeks ago. And I, I haven't heard anything since. <laughs> so it's, Oh my God, Colleen. I'm so sorry. What an asshole. Wow. He's really not, he's really not who I wanted him to be. And it's so hard coming to that realization after a year, you know, this whole process, it's been a realization of nobody is who I thought that they were. Um, my mom says that she didn't know, you know, she, all this time that, that she didn't know that I wasn't my dad that I grew up with his biological child. Um, and I didn't mention this earlier, but I look nothing like the rest of my family. I, um, have always had a hard time gaining weight, except for my pregnancy, because I was gaining, retaining all this fluid, um, beyond normal pregnancy weight. But in normal times, I've always had a really hard time gaining weight. I'm like, I've always just been called petite. That's just, um, that's just my body type. Um, my sister is over six foot and she's like a double D and she's just a very large person, like athletic. And she, we just look nothing alike. I, when I would meet new friends at school and they would find out, um, that we were related, they wouldn't believe me. (laughs) We don't look anything alike. Our personalities are nothing alike. Uh, my sister's extremely like sarcastic and funny. And I'm like, totally not like that (laughs) (laughs) unless you really, really know me. Um, and people would always say I looked exactly like my mom and I do look exactly like my mom, but they were also saying that because I looked nothing like my dad. So she says she didn't know, but if she was with two men at the same time that I was conceived, then and I came out looking <laughs> mm. completely different, she should have had some sort of inkling. And the way that she handled it with her first immediate words were, don't tell your father. I had a very hard time coming to terms with that. My mom was not who I thought she was. And my problem wasn't with the fact that she made a mistake Um, it was really more about how she handled this discovery, you know, telling me, don't tell your father, don't tell your sister and just making me feel like making me torment myself for months before I exploded. And just, I told my sister myself, and then I, I texted my mom and told her that she had to be the one to tell my dad because I was going through a really bad mental health crisis. And I told her, if you, 
you need to tell him. And I really want you to do it because I can't handle it. But if you won't, then I will. Um, And I felt so much better once everybody knew, but it's still, you know, she still put me through that. She still made me feel horrible. And my dad, my dad that I grew up with, he, I love him and he, I would consider him my dad because he knows now and he doesn't treat me any different, but you know, there's still things that he does that hurt me. And I know he's hurt too. And that's not fair, you know, that he has to be hurt. But like I said, I'm the family historian and he just asked, he'll randomly text me or call me and, you know, ask about, uh, you know, people on his side of the family and checking something for him and, the other day, he had a random relative call him, um, and he wanted to figure out how they were related, and he almost gave him my phone number. <laughs> you know, it's really hard for me to even look at my family tree that I spent years, I mean, li- like 10 years building um, with thousands and thousands of people, and half of it is wrong, and he'll just, he'll say things sometimes, and sometimes I just look at him, and I think like, why in the world would you say something like that to me? Don't, don't you, don't you realize like we're not related and it's biologically related and it hurts to look at the people that aren't biologically related to me. Mm. And then, you know, my biological father has hurt me this whole time, just waiting and stringing me along and telling my half siblings not to open my letter. I just, I, I've never gotten anything for my half siblings. The only thing that I have, and this is crazy. uh, We just moved and uh, a few months ago and I was packing up boxes and I went through what was in the top drawer of my dresser from when I was a baby and it got moved around a few times um, to where I hadn't seen it before then. Like it had traveled with me through multiple houses and, and, and years and years and I didn't open it until then. I opened it and I thought that they were cards from my baptism and my birth, but it turns out they were cards from my sisters. And in there, there are two cards and they're from them. They're from my half siblings to my sister. And that's the only thing that I have. And the cards aren't even addressed to me. But this whole, this whole experience has just been, you know, grieving and loss and anger. And then you started over again and just disappointment, you know, parents not acting like parents and not meeting or even speaking to my, my half siblings and just the disappointment that my daughter will never have. She'll never have cousins. That was a big thing. I never grew up with cousins and she actually has them and they're withholding them from her and, my daughter is the only grandkid that gets the short end of the stick because everybody else was a jerk and it wasn't my fault and it wasn't her, her fault either, but we're the ones paying, paying for it. There's so much emotional damage from this and it's the self-centeredness of so many of these family members because they don't want to deal with consequences. They don't want to whether it's your mother or your birth father or 
you're the, I hate to use this word, but you're the victim in it. You're the innocent. You're the innocent in, in all of this. And you are the one having to feel all of this grief and loss from what you found out from your DNA surprise, your DNA shock. And I can, like, I've come a long way. It's been over a year and a half and I'm not angry like I was then. But when I do get angry, it's not, it's not even how they're treating me. It's how they're treating my daughter. I can deal with somebody being rude to me, but yeah. being rude to my daughter, <laughs> I, I can't forgive you for that. And yeah. I, I probably never will. And that's, you know, that's not something I want to carry, but I don't understand. And I can't condone somebody treating my daughter like that. I just. You're a mama bear. Yeah. You're, you're protective. How can you imagine treating a child, uh, your offspring this way? Mm. I, that, that's exactly how I feel. It's like, well, now that you've shown me, you don't care about my children, your grandchildren. I don't know if there is repair beyond this. I don't know how you can fix that. I'm so sorry. And I don't know if I'll ever hear from him again, but. (sighs) And that's my daughter coming in. (laughs) And that's my beautiful daughter. (laughs) That's so sweet. I know you have to go to speak of how important children are. And then right then she comes in. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm just nodding along with you this whole time. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm kind of feeling my, um, my own pain through listening to you. And, um, my heart really hurts for you. It's still fresh for all of us, even though it's been, you know, we didn't find out yesterday, but it's, it's still there. Have you spoken with a NPE therapist by any chance? Um, I live in a really tiny town now, so it's hard to find. Say no more. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I have started with, um, she's, she's an EMDR, um, therapist for PTSD. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm, I'm trying EMDR. Yes. Yes. Are you on the forums? If people wanted to get in touch with you, would you be comfortable with that? Yeah. Yep. I'm on not all of them, but I would say most of them at this point. <laughs> right? Yes, me too. I feel like I'm I'm constantly joining a new NPE group. Colleen, if people do want to connect with you, how could they do that? Uh, they can email me. Um, it's C as in cat, M as in Mary, walls at S as in Sally, M as in Mary, C as in cat, M as in mary.edu. Got it. I will put those in the show notes. Thank you so much. Um, I could have kept listening to you forever. And I know you have your daughter that needs you right now. <laughs> oh, she sounded sweet. I just heard her voice. Um, Colleen, I'm so sorry that it is where it is right now, especially so fresh with that with what just happened uh, with your most recent email from him. And thank you for sharing where you are at right now. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's so nice to actually be able to, to speak the whole experience. And uh, even if the people involved don't hear it, it's, 
it's helpful for me. So thank you very much. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us. Thank you.